Good morning, dear class. I'm going to go across some of these um, prayer requests as you've got in your sheet, and I also want to put your attention to the board here. I'm going to start listing the references we study in Sunday school so that as the Lord speaks to your heart about something, jot that reference down because then the following week you can go through and you can re-examine and rethink and redwell on that truth. And I have found that to be so helpful. That's why with, especially um, with any kind of preaching, to have that pen in your hand. The Lord speaks to every heart differently according to what's on our heart. And a verse will come across or a thought will come across. And I promise you, if you jot that down, that is exactly what the Holy Spirit wants to use to teach you what he wants you and me to know. So anyways, these references are going to be um, up every week for our Sunday school lesson. Here's some updates on some prayer requests. Um, first of all, these aren't on your list, and I'm not putting them on the list. I just am asking you to pray concerning Kathy, Kathy Gaines, who is here always. She's down with a horrible sinus infection and problem. So, um, you know, she just never, never is not here. So it's got to be really bad. And then also Denise Swartzley. Many of you know Rick and Denise. Um, she is battling COVID and pneumonia. She's quite ill with it. She is back home. She's been in and out of the hospital. She did get the antibiotics, which are supposed to be very helpful with the lung issue. So please um, keep keep those two in your prayers. Yes. Uh huh. Now Drew, not here. She's down south. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just assumed you knew that. Um, Michelle mentioned a praise. We've prayed for Carrie and AC on a number of different counts, but especially concerning the adoption with um, Drew and Lily. There was an appeal that was put up by the birth mother, and it did not go through, um, which we praise the Lord for, and now the adoption proceedings are going to go ahead. As, as they can, which has been a long road, and it's, it's just been a wonderful, wonderful praise. Please continue to remember Julie's granddaughter in prayer. She's expecting her first grandchild. And then uh, Colleen and uh, Roy. Roy has been diagnosed with Parkinson's, and he's seeking different types of treatment. So just pray for wisdom and, and God's leading and finding what will be a help there. And then also uh, Virginia Berger, Colleen's aunt, did go to heaven this past week and peacefully at home closed her eyes and woke up on the streets of gold and and with her husband and we just praise the Lord for that uh, if you have any other prayer requests please see my right hand lady right here she's taking them down and then Maya keeps us updated every week which is such a help yes Elise oh yes Elise okay Okay, and I'm so thankful he's got that antibiotic. That's supposed to be very, very helpful. So, did you get that, Cindy? Elisa's parents, great. Yes. Um, our friend Terry. Um, yeah. Here. Terry, um, yes. She went back to um, an abusive husband. Yeah. Okay, pray for Terry. Terry's been here. She's got a smile that's a million dollar smile right here. And she is on the back of the list for prayer. So please lift Terry up as she's in a very hard, hard situation. 
This morning, um, we will all day we'll have these missionaries with us, this sweet young couple, the Pates. They are going to the Ivory Coast. And so stop by their table and pick up their prayer card and just tell them that you are very glad to have them here. Boy, I tell you what, it's, it's such a blessing to have missionaries as this has, has just dried up. And, uh, and so thank, thankfully we have this brand new couple and they are coming and they are going to be ministering here. So Donna, introduce to the class the lady next to you. Oh, Elise. No, she's Donna's mom. Yeah, yeah. We're all known by our mothers, right? Yes. I'm Clint's mom. That's who I am. So, yeah, yeah. So, um, thank you for being here. That's great. Well, we're going to begin with our theme verse. Trina has put it up here so you can actually read it. And um, it's found in Hebrews 13, 20, 21. If you would open up your Bibles or read it up here with me, it's best to open up your Bible and mark it. Let's say it together as a class. Hebrews 13, 20, 21. Now, the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you and me perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the promise of what you will do. Thank you for the promise and the assurance of what is going to be accomplished today. And Father, thank you most of all for eternity and salvation that we have through the blood of the everlasting covenant. And thank you that we have Jesus, the shepherd, that great shepherd of we the sheep. And now, Father, as we look at Psalm 23, verse number 2, God teach us. And Lord, for every heart, minister and meet those needs. And we'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We are studying Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And we are on verse 2. Verse 2 says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. And some of you are thinking, oh, if only I could. <laughs> well, for a minute right now, this is what I want you to imagine. I want you to physically or mentally close your eyes and understand that our shepherd maketh us to lie down in green pastures. I want you to mentally lay down in that green pasture. Are you relaxed? Yes. The sun is beating down on our faces. And with our eyes closed, those funny little squigglies under our eyelids start jumping back and forth because the sun is hitting our face. And laying down in that green pasture, with the sun beating down, it's baking the earth into its favorite scent. Grass. Grass and lavender clover. And this is what happens. We ready, relax. We relax. 
Now, even greater than the physical rest, because we're laying down in a green pasture with the sun shining, even, even of greater consequence than the physical rest is this. The spiritual and the emotional rest that comes when you are lying down in God's green pasture. And is this Mrs. Pate? Yes. I am so happy you're in class. I was just I was just bragging on our missionaries that are here. So yes, it is so good to have you here, Katie. And what a blessing. We are in Psalm 23, and this is our theme verse for our series. So, okay, so we're all we're all laying down. And a sigh escapes like this. <sighs> and in that quietness, something way better than physical rest happens. It's the rest of our soul and our spirit. And it's right where God wants to take us. And we're going to go there today. We're going to go there today. You say, Kathy, you mean we're going to go out on the front lawn and lay down on the green grass out, out, out in front of the church? No. Wouldn't that stop traffic? <laughs> but, but you are in the right place because you are in Sunday school with God's good word and his promise that the Lord is our shepherd and he wants to take us to a green pasture today. And his promise is true. So are you ready to go there? Because I sure am. Here we go. Rest for my soul, spirit, and body. Do you know, I can be physically exhausted. Lay down to sleep or rest, and I can't. It's like this little imp jumps up in my brain and goes, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Why? I can take my melatonin. I can prohibit myself from drinking coffee six hours before I go to bed. I lay down, and I cannot rest. Often, it is because my soul and my spirit and my brain are fearful or anxious or irritated or empty. Now, with remembering last week's lesson, you should be pulling some similar words. When Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he's the great shepherd of the sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. And in verse 2 that we're studying, it says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Do you know a sheep cannot be made to lay down? Can't. Can't, can't make it unless four requirements are met. It's good to have you here. Number one, freedom from fear. A sheep will not lie down if it's fearful. Freedom from fear, freedom from, do you remember the second one? Irritation, freedom from agitation, and freedom from hunger slash emptiness. Those four requirements must be met for a sheep to lay down. Now, Turn to your Bibles to Psalm 42. You are just going to love this. We've all been there in that state of no rest. No rest. I cannot rest. These references are up on this board here, but jot down on your paper. Katie, did you get a note paper? Okay, good. Um, 
Write down on your paper these references, Psalm 42.5, and this is what the writer says. Why art thou cast down, O my what? Soul. Uh-huh. See, that's why we don't rest physically. Really, physical rest is just a repercussion of my soul and my spirit not finding the rest it needs. Why art thou cast, and by the way, cast down is also a sheep shepherding term that we're going to get into later on. But it's just amazing how this all fits together. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Now look at verse 8. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me and my prayer unto the God of my life. This is in a horrible, hard time. Now look at verse 11. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Okay, now look at Psalm 43, 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet, here's a do, praise him who is the health of my countenance. That term, health of my countenance, do you know what that means? He's not looking like his feelings. He's looking like his face. He is not going around sad, upset, moody, crying, whining. God, the God of his hope in this horrible time, and he's in a horrible time, his soul is cast down. He's disquieted in his spirit. Now, I love these verses because they give you the problem. They give me the problem. They also give me the answer. Don't you love answers? Don't you love solutions? He says, my hope is in God. And this is what we're, we're going to pull. This is where we're going to find this green pasture to lie down in on a daily basis. So, um, oh, I was going to tell you the health of my countenance. What it means is it means... He looks content. He looks happy. And it's coming from, he's doing the do, praising, praying, putting his trust in God. And when it says the, our hope is in God, this um, pastor has mentioned this a number of times, it does not mean I hope so, or I hope this is going to, hope used in scripture in this way has a foundational, substantial rooted down in the facts of God, that with God, everything is possible. Yeah. With God, I will never be alone. It's, it's the hope of everything that this sheep heart and brain needs, okay? So this is what this uh, psalmist is writing. But it basically comes down as we read, my, my, my soul, my soul, my spirit, we desperately need a shepherd. So while these verses state the problem and give the solution, let's look first of all at the problem. The problem. The four requirements that a sheep must have to find rest, to lay down. Freedom from fear, agitation, irritation, and hunger. Now those last three that we're going to look at, Lord willing, in the weeks to follow, are really symptomatic from my fear. Okay, it's because I'm fearing, then, you know, I turn into the lady who rides the broom. Agitation, irritation. 
everything's wrong, nothing's right, okay. Those that really are byproducts of living in fear. Um, emptiness, hunger, hopelessness, depression, all come from living in fear. So, if a sheep cannot be made to lay down unless those four requirements are met, whose responsibility is it to meet the four requirements? Do I as a sheep go, I just can't sleep, I just can't sleep, I'm, I'm going to make myself lay down, I'm going to make my... No, it's impossible. We're sheep. All we like sheep have gone astray. We're all these sheep. Whose responsibility is it to provide that green pasture? Our shepherd. Doesn't that take a load off your shoulders? It takes a load off mine. This is my shepherd's responsibility to provide the green pasture so that I can rest. It's not that I need to do more or be more or, or, or accomplish more. No, it's my shepherd's responsibility, Donna, to provide that sweet rest. And we can trust our shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He's the great shepherd of the sheep. And so knowing that, first of all, it's the shepherd's responsibility, we can go to the shepherd. We can follow the shepherd. We can look to the shepherd. I'm naturally fearful because I am a sheep. It's their most predominant feature um, in their personalities. They are naturally fearful. And because we are naturally fearful, uh, we don't know what we're going to do in our fear. We, we don't, if left alone, the consequences of running away in fear, and yet that's the first, uh, that's the first choice that comes when we are in fear, we want to run away. And we talked about that the last two weeks. Mentally, emotionally, physically, we naturally run. That's what a sheep does when they fear anything. It can be real. It can be unreal. Don't we relate? So we talked about, I think it was last week, it was 94 or 95% of all the things we fear never even come to pass, and yet we live unto them or we run away from them. Running in fear. True story. First one sheep jumped to its death, then stunned turkey shepherds who had left the sheep to graze while they had breakfast watched as nearly 1,500 others followed, each leaping off the same cliff. In the end, 450 animals lay dead, one on top of another. Those who jumped later were saved as the pile got higher and higher and the fall was more cushioned. After one of the sheep tried to jump a ravine and failed, the rest just followed. Mm. If left unattended, sheep will wander off a cliff. If left to their own ways, sheep will destroy themselves. And look at how we affect others. And when we get into this next point about um, freedom from irritation, uh, that has to do with the social order in which we live. We are very affected by each other. Turn to the lady next to you and say, you affect me. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And now, and because you're in Sunday school, say, you affect me for good. <laughs> because it is encouraging. It is encouraging. But we are so affected. These sheep these 1,500 sheep that just ran off the side of a cliff only did it because one sheep did it in the beginning and the rest followed. 450 died. All we like sheep have gone astray. The hymn writer said it best, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. 
So let's get the solution our shepherd has in this first area of no rest because of fear. Going back to our green pasture. Oh, I want to get there. I want to go there. I want to live there. And God says, child, you can. I've provided it. But to a literal green pasture, now it's been a long time since I've laid down in a grassy pasture. I'm at the stage where I'm more prone to lay down on a sandy beach or lay down on my soft bed or lay in a hammock. But laying down in a green pasture, you know who loves to lay, lay down in green pastures? Children. Children. Children love to lay down on the top of a green hill, and what do they automatically do? And they love it. They squeal, and they run up to the top only to do it again and again and again because, see, no one can play like a child plays. No one. No one can play like a child plays. And uh, one of my favorite memories would be when the children would come running back into the parsonage, and, uh, and I would grab a hold of them, and I would put my head down on their head, and I would smell the sunshine. You literally can smell outdoors on your children. And I loved it. And all the time, they're squiggling to get loose because they just ran in to get the popsicle that mom was providing, you know. And they're out there ready to play again with total abandon. How can they do that? They can do that because they live so free. They are free from the burdens and cares of this life. Now, here's another notation to study this week. It's found in Luke 8, 4. 14, it's where Jesus is saying, you are so burdened. You are so filled with worry and anxiety. The cares of this life are choking you. Girls, we've all been there. We've all been choked with the cares and the worries and the anxieties and the responsibilities in life. And God says, your eyes are off your shepherd. That is the key problem. That's the root problem. And all other things are going to happen if you don't get back to following your shepherd. Children, children play and are full. And boy, I tell you what, when you finally do get them down to lay down, you've heard the term, sleep like a baby? Yeah, because they've lived so free. They are free to see the miracles of what God has made every time they go outside. It's brand new every time. Now, we adults, we go outside, and you know what we see? All that needs to be done. All that needs to be done. And as soon as that thought pops in my head, and by the way, this is where the habit of acknowledging God in everything brings you to that green pasture in a daily, moment-by-moment way of life. When you walk outside, immediately praise God. Dear God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because when we don't, we immediately, and even many times after I say thank you, I will still look and I'll see all that needs to be done. And right then is when the slave master of time comes and starts beating you over the head with what needs to be done. Oh, I can't do this because I have to go there. Oh, I have to get this done. Oh, I'm never going to get this done. I don't think I can do this anymore. And on and on and on it goes. And what happens to our day? There's no green pasture. I don't even see a clump of green clover because I'm consumed with what I see and a lack of acknowledging God. 
You know, as soon as those responsibilities start piling up and those pressures start happening, you and I feel it. We feel it. It's called um, anxiety. We feel it in our heart. And, and now a certain amount of that is a good thing. It's good to have a certain amount of tension. A rubber band is to hold things together, and there has to be some tension there for, to, for it to work. But as we keep shoving so much inside of that rubber band, at some point, what's going to happen? It's going to pop, and I'm going to be no earthly good. And the strategy that our shepherd gives us is, is this. When you feel anxious, when you fear, anxiety is a birth of fearing. When you fear, immediately acknowledge your shepherd. God, you are in this with me. You are in this. I can't wait to give you the scriptures we're going to get into in a few minutes. Because we are so fearful all the time, you need to get this solution of God's word in your head because that's what the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you uses. He doesn't use anything except God's truth. And that's why it's so important to have it in your head. But then there's going to be an application of this that makes everything different in every hard day, in every worrisome day, in every anxious day. Going outside and seeing all that needs to be done and just ruining our day because we don't even see what God wants us to see. Running through our days, not seeing what my shepherd wants me to see. Often living in a low state of panic because I can never get caught up or because I, or this thing happened or because this person did this and yada, 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 yada. And, or I don't know what's going to happen. So there's no rest. There's no peace. There's no green pasture. All because I have a sight problem. Now, this is where your fish comes in. Your Sunday school cookie this week is a fish. And God made this fish, and he has something for you and me to learn from this fish that he made. It's called four eyes. And if you'll notice on your fish that I decorated for you, the lens is split across with a black line of frosting. This four eyes knows how, oh, it's found in um, South America. It's a freshwater fish, which I was surprised. Usually these real strange, strange creatures are in salt water, but this one is freshwater. He knows how to make the best of two worlds. His secret is his large, bulging eyes. The creator designed them so he can see above the water and below it at the same time. The fish does this by cruising along the water with the upper half of his eyes above the surface. This top half has an air lens, while the bottom half of his eye has a water lens. So together, the two lens outfit four eyes with a set of bifocals, allowing him to see both the upper world and the underworld. Now, Dr. Dahan writes an application next, but I want you to drop down. You enjoy that when you enjoy your cookie this afternoon. I want you to drop down to the application that we are concerned with in Psalm 23. Starts out, we are born in darkness, but salvation bursts us into light, Ephesians 5.8. But now ye are light in the, in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Yeah, but how? Ready? My focus. Tell the lady next to you, focus. Tell her. This is everything. Like four eyes, I must keep a heavenward look. Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We can trust our author. He's written every page. He knows every chapter. And best of all, he knows how it ends because he has written it. 
Look to my shepherd. He wants to lead me to green pastures and to rest. Spiritual, emotional, and physical rest in him provides freedom from fear, irritation, agitation, and hunger. Now, girls, God made a fish to see both worlds. Is that amazing? God says, child, I have equipped you to see both worlds. Exercise your, ready, faith. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When I can't see, and then worry comes because I can't see why, how, when, how, I can see who with the eyes of faith. I can take the word of God and I can find out what my father says. The Holy Spirit, God's very spirit, indwells you at salvation. And the very situations in which we say, I can't see how, is the very thing the Holy Spirit says, I have something different for you to see. It's not in this world. It's out of this world. But you've got to see it. Because you've got to know how to deal with this thing in your world. Isn't, isn't that a beautiful, beautiful truth? So, many people never learn. Many born-again Christians with that baby faith that happens at salvation never learn to exercise their faith, to use their faith, to put it into practice in the most beautiful way that allows me, you and me, Colleen, every day to experience a green pasture. Rest for my soul, my spirit, and my body. God's Holy Spirit lives inside to rule, to govern, so I can live with my Father's peace. Every day we choose between living unto our fear, which is naturally there, and it will breed panic, or choosing my Father's rule, which brings peace. Um... There is a verse here I want you to look at. Turn to Colossians 3.15. Colossians 3.15. And if you have a pen out with your Bible, there's, there's a word I want you to circle. But in Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of God rule. And in my Bible, I have the word rule circled. And beside it, I have the word written umpire. Umpire. That root word is where we get the word umpire. He rules. And let the peace of God rule. In other words, allow. The word let means to allow. There's a choice here. Anytime you read the word let in your Bible, it's saying, Kathy, choose now. You now have a choice. And, and God's word is saying, let the peace of God rule. God makes the calls. God's in charge. God rules. So if I'm not living with peace because my fear is ruling me and then I have panic and a number of other things that happen, I can go back and I can say I want to choose something different. Oh, Father, I choose your peace. You rule. You rule. You're the umpire. Remember the message last Sunday, I could not believe how it was hand in glove with our Sunday school lesson. I love that when that happens. It was on, it was on fear. See, when I, when I live with fear, 
I am choosing to live with fear because we have a choice. And then I start blaming all the things that have caused me to live in fear. And that's how we're going to get into agitation, irritation, emptiness. Well, if this would just blah, blah, blah. And, and then we fear. Remember last Sunday's sermon, the disciples in the boat in the storm, and they feared? And what is Jesus doing? He's in a, he's in a green pasture. He's in a green pasture. And then Jesus, what does he do? He speaks. He speaks his word. His word calms the storm. And the disciples who've been walking with Jesus for a long time now, they are amazed. And they're going, who is this? <laughs> who? I'll tell you who it is. God rules. The winds and the waves obey his voice. And his disciples see that. The, the problem was not the storm. The problem was not ineptness. The problem was not the wind or the waves or, or too much weight in the boat. The problem was they had taken their eyes off the shepherd. They had forgotten. God rules. God rules. Now, this also goes back um, to our, remember the Lord's Prayer? Oh, I'm jumping ahead of myself. I will get to it. Praise <laughs> the Lord. We have time. But speaking of this rule, this rule, God rules. This becomes the stabilizing element in my soul, in my spirit, and in my thinking when fear comes. We go through power statements all the time in Sunday school. They save our life. They save our day. They save relationships. They're God's words spoken quickly in response to something that has just come by and started to choke you in a care or a burden, or a responsibility, or an accident, or, or in a person. God rules. Um, oh, what I was going to tell you goes back to the Lord's Prayer. No, I can't go to that part yet. Because I have to tell you that the power statement that you make up for yourself, I have a long list of them, don't I, dear Trina? God knows. God knows. It shall be well. It shall be well. Who said that? The dear mama whose son had just died and is on her lap. And she doesn't fall apart. She states her faith. It shall be well as she tells her husband, saddle up the horse. We're going to see the prophet. What faith? And girls, that is the faith that is available to every one of us. Speak it. Sing it. Share it. But especially shout it when you're living in fear for whatever reason. The Lord is, um, so teach us to pray, Jesus, with his disciples and with you and me. Thy kingdom come. Remember that part? Every kingdom requires a king. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where? On earth, in me. And as we learn to pray, how Jesus taught us to pray, Lord, in my kingdom, reign in my kingdom. Reign in my kingdom today. God, thy will be done all day. I want to live as salt and light everywhere I go today. Lord, I can't wait to see what you're going to do. So in this aspect of fear, um, let me tell you about an automobile. An automobile has a part that's called a governor. It's called a governor. The governor is in the car uh, built in 
because it controls the speed. In other words, when I hit the accelerator, the accelerator, the governor then dictates the speed so that I don't go from zero to 80 in a nanosecond, see. When Christians never exercise their faith, grow their faith, use their faith, they live in fear just like the unsaved world. And we've all been there. God ruling is the governor inside of me so that when fear hits, I don't go from zero to 80 in a panic mode. I don't go from zero to 80 in a mouth mode. No, God rules. God governs. And he says, child, wait, acknowledge me first in this. And then he's going to take me to a green pasture in his word so I am not consumed by fear. When fear comes, let my peace rule. Don't let your panic rule. Because you know what it's going to do? It's going to take you and me off a cliff every time. Yeah, but how? I'm so glad you asked because in the next eight minutes, we have two ways in which God explains how do you let me rule in your sheep head and in your sheep heart so that the panic doesn't rule. The panic is a natural byproduct of being a sheep. Now turn your Bibles to James 1.31. And all these verses are up here. Just study them this week. They are so good. James 1.31. Oops, it's James 1 is there. That's right. What you want is James 1.31. And God's word says, receive with meekness the engrafted word. Receive with meekness the engrafted word. Okay, I love the word engrafted. Becky, you do too, because it's a gardening term. Engrafting. Kathy? Oh, I have I have given you the wrong reference. 13? When I... Okay, Trina, just look up the engrafted word. I miss... Uh, typed a reference for me. What, what is it? 21? James 1, 21? Yes. Okay, James 1, 21. This, and it says, receive with meekness the engrafted word. Now, the root word for this is scion, S-C-I-O-N, scion. Scion is the root used for engrafting, all right? A scion from a sweet apple tree will produce sweet fruit even when engrafted into sour apple stock. Now get the application here. The root from a sweet apple tree, when it is engrafted into a sour apple tree, will always make the tree sweet. And God is saying, child, I do it in nature. Let me do it in you. Jesus is the vine, and he is the true vine. And when he is engrafted, received with meekness, the engrafted word, when his word is put into sour apple Kathy or worried wart Kathy, it turns me into Christ-likeness. He has a miracle he wants to perform in me, in this crisis, in this fear, but he only does it when I receive his word with meekness, and that receiving is receiving as in applying application, receiving it into myself. 
Whatever is bringing the fear, it robs you of God's peace. And often, girls, we don't have a choice about how or why it happened, do we? And then we use that for an excuse of staying stuck where we're at in our fear. Um, by the way, how does engrafting happen? <laughs> yeah, see, you know, it comes through a cut. We all fear cuts, and yet that's the only way the engrafting takes place. So can you see the opportunity you and I have with everything that we fear, whether it be a little thing or a big thing, that is God's opportunity to engraft me with his Christ-likeness when I apply his word, when I receive his word. What does it mean when I receive it? It means God has an explanation and a solution for that person, that circumstance, that fear. I've got to find it. I've got to know it. And that's where James 1 and Colossians 3 are loaded with the instruction about what you are to engraft in. But before I get to that, let me tell you this. Engrafting, it comes only through a cut. And we naturally fear a cut. Stop fearing the cuts. Stop fearing it. Stop fearing what, what has been brought into your life. Either God has allowed it or God has put it there for a purpose. Both are put there for a purpose. On purpose or allowed. And God says, I can't wait to show you what I'm going to do in this cut. Now trust me. So... What I put in that fear will determine if I lay down in God's green pasture or whether I live like a zombie because of no rest. God has something he wants me to put in that cut from his word, and this is the caveat. Ready? It takes faith to apply it. I can know it in my head all day long. It requires your faith that you had when you asked Jesus to come into your heart and it was tinier than a mustard seed. It was birthed in you. This is the requirement. Without faith, it's impossible to please my God. But with faith, all things are possible. And God delights to work in my faith. So, for example, when he tells me to apply a soft answer, it doesn't come naturally. What comes naturally to we sheep? Oh, a lot of nasty things. Yeah, yeah, bad, bad, bad. But God's, God has a better way. He says, child, do you want to let the peace, my peace rule? Rule? Then obey my rule over your feelings and give a soft answer. And you cannot believe what I'm going to do, both in you and in the situation. You can experience peace in the storm. So whatever fear, from family to finances, from COVID to carnality, God has in his word a solution to place in that fear. And when I, by faith, take the sky on of the true root, the, the vine, he gives me his peace every time. Now, the second part of this solution will be very quick. For my fear has to do with his sovereignty in my life. God explains this with an example that we're going to get into next week, if the Lord tarries. It's about a clay pot. It's found in Jeremiah 18, and, and you, will, you will love studying this, Jeremiah 18, 1 through 6. What it basically means in, in a nutshell is God is dealing with, with my willful sheep nature. After the first basic, um, a, sheep most, a sheep is always fearful. The second 
predominant trait of a sheep is it's willful. First fearful, then willful. And this dealing with God's sovereignty in my life in order that I can enjoy the green pasture is vital. It's dealing with the point that says, I don't want to be the clay. I want to be the potter. I want to be in charge. But it goes back into who rules. Do you want the peace of God? Let the peace of God rule. When God rules, he blesses me with his peace. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We can't, when we can't fix something, especially as ladies, we naturally fear because as women, we are problem solvers. We are helpmates. We are nurturers. We are caregivers. We are multitaskers. We are good at fixing stuff, and then something comes into our day, and we can't fix it. What do we do? My submission to God's sovereignty in my daily life shows up in the daily struggles that I can't fix. I, I hope, Linnell, you're fine with me sharing this. I just love this. I'm sure you are. But Linnell has been without a washing machine for a year, okay? Through, um, oh, okay, yeah. But for, okay, forever. It, yeah, forever. Um, not only is there the, the huge inconvenience of getting the laundry done for a family of five, being a busy mama and wife, but the issues with this lemon washing machine have just been ridiculous. Frustration? Stuff that can't be fixed? This is what's so beautiful. Linnell acknowledges God in every step of the way. And as we have prayed about this irritation, Last week, she got the news, finally, they're going to make it right. And she's going to have a brand new washing machine. Do you know who's going to hug their washing machine every day? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's going to see that washing machine with new eyes. Why? Because it was a problem. It was a fear. What if they don't replace it? It's under warranty, but they're giving me the runaround. It's a financial burden. It's a physical burden. In every step of the way, God, you know. God, you know. God, in your time. God, I'm waiting on you. And the countenance of Mama Linnell shows her faith. Do you know how effective that is in your children's lives when they see you deal with something that is not right and unfair, and yet they see the countenance? It's what is found in Psalms, all those verses. He has given me... He's healed the face, my face, my countenance, because I'm trusting in God. Um, acknowledging God with our fear while you wait brings a freedom of the rest that you desperately need. Turn to Psalm 45, 1 through 5. I love, love, love these verses. Psalm 45, I'm sorry, 46, 1 through 5. Here's a great set of verses to memorize. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Circle the word in in your Bible. Not after the trouble, in trouble. God is never late. 
Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. Verse 5, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. God is never late. Keep trusting. Keep looking. Acknowledging God with a fear while you wait. I love Psalm 4. I've shared that with you before. It was my salvation chapter for a long time. I will both lay me down and what? Sleep. Sleep. Ready? In peace. For thou, Lord, ready? Only. It's God's, it's God's doing. Makest me to dwell in safety. Hardest time of David's life. And yet he laid down and slept. Do you? Do I? Oh, dear girls, these principles of letting the peace of God rule so that we can get the rest of that green pasture is vital. In closing, my sister and I were really young. We were both just married to both of us pastors. And I am so thankful for God's patience and grace with me as he worked in my sheep brain and my sheep heart. In that first couple years, I was clueless. And then I attended a seminar where the theme was from this dear lady, God is the blessed controller of all things. God is the blessed controller of all things. It was a truth that I knew, but I never applied it into my daily living. And basically it was this, everything I am is from God. Everything I have is from God. He made me and everything I have is from God. And I only have it for today to use for his glory. Everything God gives me is because he loves me. Everything God takes away is because he loves me. Well, this was like a revelation to me. I was probably 23. And apart from my salvation experience that birthed me into God's family, nothing changed my life more than this one truth. It was like, all the verses I learned, all the vacation Bible school, all the every week going to church, Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday night, Wednesday night, all of that, obeying all the rules, well, most of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this was life-changing. Grabbed a hold of it. And this uh, dear, wise lady taught, everything you have is a gift from God. For today and everything he takes away is a gift from God for you today from the cares of the day to the casserole dish in your cupboard is what she said it's all from God he's in charge well being very young and very newly married Chrissy and I we didn't have anything I mean we were dirt poor we didn't grow up dirt poor but we learned what dirt poor was we were living on love so it didn't matter we were madly in love with our husbands, and life was great. Well, Chrissy had a wedding gift of matching casserole dishes. Now, Chrissy and I and my two older brothers, we grew up every day with mom's china and mom's heirloom dishes. Every day, it was a linen tablecloth and linen napkins. This is just how we were reared. Dishes were important. Family supper was important. And so dishes were very important to 
to both of us. And uh, Chrissy had made supper for this lady in the church who was recovering from surgery. And this dear lady broke Chrissy's treasured only casserole dish. And it just crushed her. She knew there'd be no replacing it. Well, we used to meet on Pearson Road at Meyer. My mom from Lake Fenton, me from Duran, Chrissy from Flint. They had a second story there where they had a restaurant and a big seating area. Every Thursday was our goal to meet there. And we'd get together and we would just laugh and talk and we'd do money deals. Okay, mom, do you have 45 cents? Because, you know, you know and, and of course mom did, you know. Well, Chrissy is lamenting this broken casserole dish. And she is going on and on and on. And she is saying, you know what? I'm still very bothered about this. I will never be able to get a dish again. Here I am doing this good thing, making food I can't even afford while Renee and I live on popcorn and macaroni and cheese. And it's my only casserole dish. And she drops it and breaks it. Breakage in life traps us in fear, in anger, in bitterness. I don't care if it's a casserole dish or if it's a child, it's breakage and it all hurts. Well, our shepherd calls us and reminds us that he has a better way. And Chrissy and I had just been to this seminar the week before and just been taught God is the blessed controller of all things and everything I have is God's. And so sitting at Myers on Pearson Road, she is going on and she said, so this is what I did. I walked back to the parsonage and I told God I was mad. I'm, I'm mad. And immediately he reminded me of this truth that we had just learned. God is the blessed controller of all things and everything I have is God's. And she said, so I stopped right there and I looked up in the heavens and I said, well, I hope you're enjoying your broken casserole dish. <laughs> And we sat there, and we laughed, and we roared. We laughed with the freedom of the truth in learning God is the blessed controller of all things. And all I have is his. And if he chooses to take it back, he's in control. There's a purpose in it. We laughed with the freedom of it. We laughed with the victory of it. We laughed, we laughed because it was fun to live light. His yoke is easy, and his burden is light. Now, the whole point is, will you find that place of rest today. Of course there's broken stuff. God says, I'm the blessed controller. Let the peace of God rule. Get a hold of it as you never had before. It will change your life and you will get good rest. God bless you.